0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. Welcome to the V-Circle podcast. We are gonna see where it goes from here. Um, I just want to say thank you for tuning in today. I am your gracious, humble host, Vince Balcom, also known as Vince B. So, shit, we just gonna get into it. There may be some unnecessary cursing going on, but uh, just deal with it and just listen if you're going to listen or not, or just skip over the shit. It's, it's up to you. It's your choice. I was born in Oakland, raised in Richmond, uh, Central Side to be exact. Um, it was a pretty interesting upbringing. You know, I want to kind of start and give you guys a little introduction into my background because y'all don't know who the fuck I am. So let's just start there So I was born um, November 7th, 1991 Kaiser Permanente Hospital In, I think I believe, Alameda, California Alright, whatever Well, well, my mom will confirm or deny it Don't matter But yes, I was born in Oakland Raised in Richmond And it was a pretty interesting upbringing um, I think, uh It was a typical upbringing, you know, your typical, you know, poor, struggling, just dealing with a lot of issues. Um, You know, my mom, my dad, they did the best they could, you know, with three boys. You know, I have two brothers, I have an older brother and a younger brother. And we grew up basically trying to find our way, you know, trying to you know, get ourselves together. We moved from Oakland to Richmond, where we bounced around, and then we actually moved to Sacramento, where we stayed in the Green Ridge Apartments. And during this time, for me as a child, I, I witnessed just the overall parents struggling to pay bills, uh, mom and dad working odd different jobs, trying to trying to just keep us afloat. I was a very imaginative child with a huge imagination. I often tried to drown out a lot of the hardships that I witnessed with just overall just being fun, easygoing, and just being a kid. I think as a kid, that's one of the great things about being a child is that that childhood innocence. You know, as you grow up and get older, you start to, you know, the poison of the world and You know, we live in such a negative society that kind of poisons the the imagination. You start to limit yourself. But when you're a child, your imagination makes the possibilities unlimited, you know. But the more you get older and you move from imagination to reality, uh, everything becomes based by gravity. The gravity of expectations and people's perceptions of you weigh down that flight of imagination that you have and that's what happened to me you know um I, I as a kid I, I sang I started singing at the age of seven my mom would encourage me a lot to sing and you know she would have me sit by her side and we would listen to Stevie Wonder we would listen to Michael Jackson, Lauryn Hill and I had this very high-pitched voice so it was it was very easy for me to get into it, and, 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 you know, I start becoming confident, my mom, she'll give me the little controller, you know, and I'll, the remote control, I might add, you know, that was our microphone, because we couldn't afford a real microphone, so we used the, the remote control, I would grab the remote control, everybody is sitting in the living room, I'd start singing, you know, i will start singing to my mom, my mom act like she's an adoring fan, or, you know, some female who was just going, cray oh my God, and, You know, and and I felt good about myself. And, you know, that journey kind of led me into wanting to do music until my very first performance, which was at New Faith. My brother knows about this. New Faith is the place to be. That was our little theme song. It was a Christian school. And went and performed, Do You Want a Revolution? Kirk Franklin. And that performance was... It was it was interesting. You know, I had two background dances. I had my little suit on. You know, imagine a little 7 6-year-old kid having my little suit on and you know, I was ready to go. And I started performing, "Do you want a revolution? Woo! woo do you want a revolution?" And then all of a sudden the tape the tape messed up. And I just remember seeing like this black, you know, how to tape Man, I feel old because this is like back in the day when people use tapes. Damn. It wasn't even that long ago. This was like in the 2000s. But anyways. Yep. Yeah, using tape. Yes, I'm, I'm old. I'm 30. I ain't that old. I'm 30 years old. Just turned 30. November 7, 1991. You know what I'm saying? Salute to the Scorpios out there. Yes, sir. All right. Anyways, let's get back to it. So the tape messed up and I was traumatized. I was traumatized. I was and I I froze and I I didn't perform again as a kid. Then being in the hood, you have the the hood symptoms and, you know, you just start to adapt. You know, Uh, my brothers, they really didn't adapt to the hood life like I did. I kind of embraced it and went out into the world and and you know hung out and did little 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 things here and there you know the typical stuff that that a young black kid in the hood does you know you have your fights you have the losing your virginity at an early age that's a whole nother story we're not going to get into that right now um we have you know the different shootouts and stuff not saying that i got in any shootouts but i definitely seen a lot of people get shot and and seeing a lot of that kind of stuff i've been jumped um and just a typical hood shit right so in living in that environment having you know friends that you know were a part of the neighborhood we just kind of gravitated to violence we gravitated to that kind of music which led me to me being 12 13 years old wanting to be a rapper my brother who uh was the one that kind of got me into it because I was I was definitely on the Kurt Franklin Mary Mary more on the gospel side and I would say my brother he kind of introduced me to the dark side Um, and he introduced me to I think the first rapper I remember listening to that I was really influenced by of course my mom played Tupac she played DMX she played a lot of people but I was heavily influenced by my older brother uh, he influenced a lot of my personality to this day, and whatever music he was on, I, I wanted to listen to it. So, I remember I was downstairs, and I think I was playing Sonic or something. And
1: I'm yeah,
0: if y'all if y'all know about Sega, y'all know about that shit. So anyway, I'm down there, you know, Sonic, and I go, I, you know, I hear some. coming upstairs, and all I hear is. You know, say I can't rap bop doing coke no more. I slut, you think I won't choke no whore till I vocal cords don't work in the throat no more? And I'm like, well, who the hell is that? And my brother, he's laying down. It's raining outside. The room is dark. He has his head, like, right near the stereo. And he's just, you don't want to fuck with Shady. Because why? Because Shady. And I'm, like, listening. And I'm, like, in awe of, like, what's coming out the speaker and from that day forward I used to sneak and listen to I believe it was the Marshall Mathers LP I believe and I used to sneak and listen to it and I just became addicted to just listen to that kind of music and then then from there I started to realize You know, it it really started to open the world of hip hop and rap music opened up. Then I started to dive into DMX and dive into Tupac, dive into (coughs) (coughs) excuse me. Sorry, COVID. (coughs) I'm sorry. I started to dive into Tupac, dive into (coughs) a lot of these artists. And really, it changed my life, but it kind of changed it in a bad, in a negative way. I started to really embrace My environment because the music that i was listening to was very the same as my environment and so i started to embrace the the gangster shit the hip-hop music the then you had artists like 50 cent that came out with g on it then you had the south that was blowing up with ti and young jeezy young buck and The list goes on and on, the game, you know, and and the gangster music was very heavy. And although, you know, like probably two, three years, maybe four years we had of that era of music, you know, you had Kanye West and then Kid Cudi, and then a lot of those guys came, and they were kind of the more backpack, just human beings making music versus like you had to sell drugs and all that. It was, their music was definitely more relatable to my personality because Although I was in the streets and had friends and we roamed the streets and we did certain things, I never partook in that lifestyle. I was always the guy that would see my friends or people I knew selling drugs and I would say, well damn, you're dodging bullets. I don't want to dodge bullets to make money. I'd rather just do some other shit that may be legitimate, you know, and it may not I may not pay get paid as much as you do. And I may be I may not be as cool, I may not be able to, you know, uh fuck the neighborhood thoughts, if you will. Sorry, I'm not disrespecting you women out there, but you know, you, you women know who you are, neighborhood thoughts. Kind of giving you guys a brief background of kinda of how I grew up. And um embraced gangster music. I embraced that and that started to affect my personality. Um, make fast forward. It started getting really dangerous. Richmond, California became like the worst hood in America. I think it was top three. And mind you, this is a this is a city with no more than five thousand people in it, and we're we're seeing a, over a hundred homicides a year. And we're not talking about just people, you know. We're talking about people getting their head blown off on a daily basis. Kids getting shot. You know, this is this is just happening daily. And it got to the point where my mom was just like, "We gotta get gotta get y'all out of here." Like my mom made a sacrifice, and she she we had to get out of here. And you know, moved to Sacramento, and you know that that thing went the way it went. I'm not gonna bore you guys too much about everything because I have a quite a long ass story of a lot of shit that transpired in my life. But I just kind of want to give you guys a a overview. As to where the hell I came from, um, because I feel like in my music, I'm not as transparent. Um, I think the only song that I'm really transparent about that is Ali Bumaya, where I talk about, you know, I remember those dark days, drive-bys and broad day, dealing up in them hallways, hoping that I would find a way. Mama, listening to Kurt Franklin praying. For a bride today, I remember myself thinking, wondering if I would die today. Mama would get in the car, drinking brick in the law. Saddest thing you ever saw. A chair will leave you all, three kids in the back seat, and there is no one to call. And I feel like that was the one song that I actually dived into and gave people a glimpse into my childhood, and and that kind of summed it up. My mom was very influential in my life. My dad was influential as well, but not necessarily in the most positive ways. Um, I'd never saw him as the father i never saw him as being the best father he can be i saw him as just being you know and and how could he be the best father he could be he never had a father so you know my dad's dad died when he was like six months so he never saw a man to be a man so you know him was just like look i'm here the fact that i'm here and you can see your father because i could not see mine This is the blessing enough. You know, this is, this is good enough. And maybe that was, you know, to him, he felt that was good enough. But for me as a child and seeing other fathers in the neighborhood, I just, and even not even seeing fathers in the neighborhood, I just, my dad, it just seemed like he was very much focused on himself. And when it came down to me, especially myself and, and, and my little brother, it seemed like he was more focused on his life than he was on his children's lives. And although he went to work and he paid bills and he did the different things that he could do to try to provide for us in terms of that quality time and those quality lessons, you know, we had to learn on the street. You know, I learned how to fight on the street. I learned about sex by having it, you know, lost my virginity at the age of 15 and so a lot of these things I didn't learn from my dad, you know, I think the thing, the main thing I learned from him, he, you know, obviously, he potty training, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, but, you know, his sex talk was us watching Baby Boy, and just think about that, guys, we watched Baby Boy, that was, that was our introduction to sex, was, 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 you know, y'all come downstairs, and then we come downstairs, and, we're watching Baby Boy, and there's a few little sex scenes in there, and and I don't even know what he did. I think we just watched it. We just and you know, mind you, at that time, I'm over here. I already know I'm knee deep in the game with the porn. Like I got all the magazines, you know. Uh, we had the little the little flip phone, had my own cell phone. You know, we had the little we watched a little porn on a little thing. You know, we we was all in that shit already. It, we was already in that. I'm probably going to cut all this out, but anyway, but yeah, so, you know, that was that transition. Um, things weren't going too well with my parents. Um, I ended up having a warrant out for my arrest when I was in California for just, you know, doing some, some illegal solicitations, if you will. And, um, was facing two years in prison or two years in juvenile, whatever. I think I was still under 18, I think at that time. And, uh, you know, gracious, the the charges were were dropped. They couldn't really prove what they were trying to charge me with. Plus, they they were trying to charge me with vandalism and some other things. And come to find out there was another person that was doing the same thing. And they ended up catching that person. So I got off the hook. And, you know, I had two, I think it was two, three months of community service, over $2,000 worth of restitution and three years of probation. And from there, you know, life was kind of going It was going downhill, but it was also going uphill. You know, I had a girlfriend. She cheated on me, broke my heart. I ended up, you know, bouncing back, trying to get myself together. And from there, I basically was just like, I got to get my shit together. So I started taking extra classes. I started doing everything that I needed to do to better myself and and not be a fuck up. Because out of my, my brothers, my older brother... He's very smart. He got great, good grades in school. Um, And although he didn't pursue a college career, I have no doubt or or he's pursuing it now. But although he didn't bounce right out of high school into college, I have no doubt that he would have, you know, excelled in those areas. And even my little brother, little brother's very smart. Um, And I was the fuck up. I was the one getting, you know, lying and shit, ditching school, trying to bring girls to, to, to my mama crib. You know, just doing dumb shit. So I was the one that was probably projected to either, you know, get shot, go to jail, you know, or just be a flunky out there. Just just not really being successful. And, you know, my life started to take a turn as I started to realize that just had to do better for myself. So eventually, you know, high school came. I was getting I was going to independent uh, studies After getting kicked out of school for just doing dumb shit and just not being present and getting in little fights and little stuff here and there. And, you know, eventually uh, graduated high school, started interning at City Hall. My mom, she basically was just letting me know that, hey, and my mom had this thing that she would she would just kick us out. She would kick us out the damn house. And, you know, I'm not too sure why that was the mode of. You know, and maybe that's what all the mamas did in the hood or maybe that's what maybe that's the thing you do to your kids or something. You just don't want to be around them. I know for me, and I say that now, you know, I don't have any kids. Um, but, you know, I just I just feel like, you know, when you have kids like they're a part of you and although they may talk back or they may say whatever, you know, it's like this is your child, you know, and you should love them and be there for them no matter what, you know, and. And although you may get irritated with them or they may say certain things or may be ungrateful in certain capacities, they're still your child, you know, and they still it's a cold, tough world out there. And a child always needs their parents, you know, no matter how old they get. And you should always be there for them, no matter what. And Because one day you're going to be old and the shoes going to be reversed and your child is going to be strong and hopefully better financially well off than you are, hopefully better savvy to deal with the new world. And you're going to have to depend on your child and um, depending on how you treated them when they couldn't take care of themselves. It's going to ultimately transition into how they're going to treat you when you can't take care of yourself. So it's just a flip side of the coin as to how life works. And I just feel like, you know, my parents, they did the best they could. I, and I think they did what they wanted to do as parents. I don't think they did what they needed to do as parents. You know, I believe that they they drop the ball in terms of just, and I feel like just in parents in general, um, when it comes down to raising, especially black boys in in a in an environment that we grew up in is difficult. So, as much as I feel like my parents did drop the ball with raising me, I also feel like they did the best they could with the circumstances they were given. So it's like a double-edged sword, you know, to be in the position that they were in and to get us to the point that we are, um, it's still a blessing in itself. So I have to still commend them. Although I have my own personal, uh, views on, you know, certain issues and things that transpired, but fast forward, uh, we'll, we'll kind of speed through a lot of shit, but I'm just trying to give you guys a full rundown of my backstory and just kind of how we got to the V circle podcast so from there we ended up uh so I ended up becoming homeless uh I was you know my mom she kept warning me while I was going to high school that I need to um you know get myself together and I need to I need to you know she was basically just give me a heads up like I'm you know you need to do job core or something because you can't live with me no more and you know I think at this time I'm about 17 18 and uh you know I had some things brewing but you know, I, 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 didn't develop any financial habits. I wasn't making no real money. I was struggling. Um, and I, I really wasn't doing really well in life. I just finished getting arrested. You know, I had a job at sports authority that was about to happen. I didn't even have the job. I was about to get hired. I'm paying $2,000 worth of restitution. I'm trying to get my high school diploma. And now you're telling me that I I gotta like figure it out. So, you know, from there, I met a um, lady by the name of Vincine Jones, who led me to Michael and Maureen Kraft, who ended up just basically standing in the gap for me during my time. Um, once things hit the fan with my mom and I was homeless, you know, they were able to stand in the gap for me and, uh, you know, give me a place to stay. I stayed with this guy. I forgot his name. Um, but he was an interesting individual, um, kind of a little awkward. I was I was kind of you know, I felt a way about kind of being in his presence because I just kind of felt something, you know, but, uh, you know, he was cool. He, He always treated me very well. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a good, good little experience from there. You know, I ended up moving in with them. They definitely helped me with the skill sets and the things that I needed to learn with just getting myself together. They basically adopted me into their family. Um, And I learned a lot. Ended up going to CRC, Consumers River College in Sacramento, where I became a student ambassador. Pretty much after that, things started to change. I graduated from high school. I went from having like D's and C's to graduating top of my class. I ended up singing the national anthem, which I bombed that shit. That was it was it was very bad. Uh, I was doing pretty good. And they asked me to sing the national anthem, and I thought I was about to nail that shit. And I was doing good, and I was like, Oh, say can you see
1: by the dawn's early light What some proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming Who's brought stripes and bright stars through the perilous
0: fight and the, oh shit. That's exactly what the fuck happened while I was singing that damn song. It was going great. It was a little shaky here and there, but we got to that part and the shit got fucked up. And luckily, I kind of bounced back. I was like, hey, yo, hold on, y'all, hold on, y'all. And I started singing it again. And then I got to the same part. And the I was just looking around. And the crowd started singing the words. And then I started to get into it and get into it. And then I, I hit some note at the end. And the crowd gave me a standing ovation. They got up. everybody's clapping. People were clapping. People were cheering. And people were laughing at the same time. So I felt good. But then I felt embarrassed. And then after the show, I'm walking out or after the graduation ceremony, I'm walking out and everybody's, did you plan that? Like, that was amazing. Like, you know, I was like, I definitely did not plan that shit. So, you know, that that particular moment showed me the kind of the art of performing that even if you fuck up, like you can still bounce back and and get back on track. But anyways, after that, I um, where was I at? Yeah, after that, moved in with them. They adopted me. They taught me a lot during my three and a half years with them. I uh, just learned a lot about just what an actual family is. You know, having dinners together, um, being able to, you know, play games and go on trips and just all sorts of things that I learned about family. And it was a great experience. Um, from there, you know, they told me about this school called Caribbean University, where. Um, I still consider them my godparents, my godfather, Michael Craft. He went to and we flew there. It was my first time on a plane. I was nervous as shit. Got there and it was just a great, great experience. Then got to Prairie View a University and uh, PV, you know, yeah. So got to Prairie View after getting like a Sally Wyatt scholarship that my godmother uh, helped me get and uh, got to Prairie View. During that time, though, before I got there, it was it was tough. I had over like six or seven jobs. I uh, My boy, Dre, uh, he used to call me Jamaican. He's like, you're Jamaican, man. You always work, man. And I used to work like a fucking slave. I was a youth advocate. I was an intern at City Hall. I worked at Sandra D's. Sandra D's. Boom. Shout outs real quick. Barbecue. I love the, uh, what I used to get. I used to get the chicken strips with the mac and cheese. Man, that shit was good. Anyway. T was good too Uh, But yeah, I worked at Sandra D's I worked at Sports Authority And this is all at the same time Being a full-time student uh, Student ambassador And working for M2M Decor And it was just crazy You know, it was just a crazy Hectic schedule But I managed to come out on top 4.0 Well, I would say like a high 3.0 Like a 3.6 or something I'm not going to gas myself Anyway, get to Prairie View and m University, and it was straight. It was definitely cool. Uh, the first time I actually got to Prairie View and m University, I was basically just in awe of just the whole scenario, you know. It was just amazing in terms of just trying to piece together, like, all the black people that was on campus, you know. And it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And I remember my first day on campus, I had Mr. Simmons. Shout out to Mr. Simmons, man. Shout out to Mr. Simmons, Mr. Walker. Um, uh, Miss Walker, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know. Uh, Shout out to you guys. And uh, I had this, you know, tour guide. And I just remember seeing all these black people. And I was just nervous at first. Because I'm like, I ain't used to seeing all these black people. Because every time I saw a group of black people... It was either a fight, you know, like back in Richmond, you know, we had these wars where it was like, you know, you had the blacks versus the Mexicans and we was literally run to the different schools. And, you know, it was just whenever you saw a group of people together, it was never really good. It was either a fight happening, like, like black youth in the hood only congregate for negative things. Someone got shot. There was a fight going on. Niggas gambling smoking weed doing drugs like you know it, it, the sports maybe you know what i'm saying but most most times especially in in just a, a regular environment even if it's at a school is some going down that that um you know just just involves you know extracurricular activity um not necessarily pertaining to positiveness uh but anyways um yeah seeing group black people they walked towards me, I kind of got a little defensive, you know, some black dudes, and, uh, they were just like, what's up, they gave me the head nod, and I was just, I was just like, what's up, you know, what's up, what it is, you know, I'm sizing them up, they just like, I don't know, this is awkward-ass California dude, anyway, I majored in mass communications, minored in business at first, and that shit was not the business, um, it wasn't the business at all, because, like, they they really like put that math in there and I'm not a math guy. So I, you know, I, t- I had that first math class and I remember it was the hardest semester of my life. And I got that C and I said, I said, Mama, you know, we're going to have to change this shit up. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, we end up getting that taken off and I end up minoring in music because that's obviously my passion. And my my time at Prairie View was amazing. Of course, this whole podcast could be dedicated to that, but I'm just trying to give y'all a lengthy introduction into who the fuck I am, people. So just bear with me. It's gonna take a while, but just bear with me. So my time at Prairie View, I'm gonna use a few key points that shaped uh, my experience. I'm not gonna go in detail with a lot of things. I'm just gonna talk about the main shit. So my time at PEV, My first year was was great. I was a square. I was a square ass nigga. Um, I went to school. I went to class. I did not talk to no females. I was stayed to myself. Square ass dude. I wore suits every day. Well, damn near every day. Well, not 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 my first semester, my second semester. I was a square. I went to church and it's nothing wrong being a square. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong with it, y'all I'm just telling y'all the truth I was a square, I didn't do shit Um, I went to church Tried to go like twice a week And first semester I was just, I just stayed to myself I didn't do a lot Um, You know, I went to a few parties You know, I got twerked on I caught the work a few times, you know what I'm saying But I just, the women, the booty The ass that's in Houston, Texas Is fucking ridiculous Like these girls in Houston Damn (laughs) Woo! Sorry, I don't mean to get too loud, but, you know, uh, like in um, wrestling, I don't know if y'all remember Billy Gunn, but, you know, he had the song, and
1: I'm an ass man,
0: you know, that, that was me, I came out here, holy shit, these women out here, oh, ho, yo, yo, alright, anyways, Anyways, we done with that. Yo. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> the it out here with that ass is gr- ridiculous. So, when I got to Prairie View, I was mortified. I'm not going to say <laughs> mortified. I was, I was taken aback. Okay? I was taken aback by that back. All right. I could not concentrate uh, in class. Uh, it was very difficult for me to focus. But. I did focus. And um my second semester, I started to come out of my shell a little bit. I ended up doing the Mr. PV pageant. This was the very first thing that I did that I think put me out there. You know, I knew that I needed to do something because I was I was suppressing who I truly am. When I was in Richmond, California, I had, you know, I, w- I wasn't a nerd or nothing. I was smoking weed. I was out there with the fellas. I was, I had the different girlfriends and I was doing this and doing that. Now, granted, I wasn't doing shit with my life, but you know, I was, I'm not going to say I was hip or none of that bullshit. I was on or whatever, whatever the fuck they say, that pushing pee, all that bullshit. I was just more sociable. I would say I was more confident with who I am. When I got to prayer view, I was very nervous and you know, just coming off being homeless and stuff, I didn't want to do nothing to fuck it up, then I kept hearing, don't get nobody pregnant, and don't do this, and don't do that, so you know, I was just very leery about dealing with females, and and I just didn't want to get caught up, and then because I was taken back by that ad, you know, I knew that a girl could definitely get me off my game if I, like, you know, so I was very regimented, so then Joined the Mr. PV, uh, did the Mr. PV pageant, and I started working with a guy named Kamani Hagerman. Uh, salute to you if you out there started working with him. He kind of took me under his wing and saw that I guess I had some, something going for me, I guess. I don't know. Um, my time as a mass com student, to me, I just felt like I was, I was not really operating at my true potential. And, and Kamani, I guess, maybe saw something in me. And he took me on his wing, he said, Hey man, you're gonna be the anchor for us and become week. And I was just like, fuck it. I don't, you know, shit. Here we alright. So I started doing it. I started doing the calm stuff, and I just started building my confidence up. And Mr. P Mr. P V uh, Mr. P V pageant was a great experience for me. I met some great guys in there. I met uh Ryan Cole, who else I met, um, Jordan Ball. There's some other guys. And, of course, we can't forget uh, Roger Thomas, who beat us really bad. I mean, just destroyed the whole thing. He just destroyed us, man. And that that whole time, uh, I learned a lot from him, you know, during that time period. Because, you know, he was very much didn't give a fuck. And I was just like, well, why? And he was from California like me. Obviously, he's from, you know, I think he's from, like, L.A. or some shit like that. But, you know, I learned. I was like... Well, damn, I'm over here caring about different things and and trying to be mindful. And this guy is over here. Just don't give a shit. He's just doing him. And, uh, you know, so I started to learn and glean from that experience. And it just basically just taught me just about being yourself. And I started to learn, you know, it's it's much better to if you're going to fail, fail at being you than trying to pretend to be someone else. And during that time, I was trying to pretend to be this other person. I was trying to pretend to be this preppy school guy. And as y'all can hear by how I talk, I'm pretty damn ignorant. So I was just like, what the fuck is going on? So at the end of the day, I was just like, you know, let me just be me. Let me, let me start being me. And as I started to be me, um, you know, of course, you know, we, we started to, you know, attract certain attention and stuff. And I started to kind of I tried to, you know, I was the kind of person that, you know, when I was on campus, I definitely tried to keep my my extracurricular activities with women on the down low. I didn't I didn't really try to advertise myself in a certain kind of way because um, I just felt awkward. I just didn't I just I, I didn't want my business to be out there and I didn't want people to know who I was fucking or who I was with. Just wanted to keep it under wraps. And that's what I pretty much did. Um And, you know, my time at Prairie View, I definitely learned a lot about myself and I definitely learned a lot about just the educational system. So now I meet a gentleman by the name of Charles Williams, who becomes my mentor. Um, He worked. He's two time Emmy Award winner. Salute to Charles Williams. And uh, he took me under his wing, showed me a lot of things. Also gave me an insight that, hey, you know, there's more to you than what you're being and um, you should really pursue this music thing and at the time you know my godparents they didn't really condone that they didn't think there was any money any future in music for me especially didn't think I I was that talented a singer or none of that shit so I ended up transitioning ended up moving Uh, after I graduated I went straight to New York Um, I lived in his basement and uh, during this time I was struggling like a motherfucker. I had this guy named Fenestro who I wrote this song called Love Holiday. I've been looking for a pretty thing. It wasn't really that good of a song at all. Um, But I definitely thought when I wrote that shit at that time that I was about to be like fucking famous or some shit. And, um, you know, moved there after having it. You know, I met him through an internship and I moved there and, you know, it was a great time. Great experience. Uh, With me being in New York, you know, I learned a lot of things about myself and New York was this great experience as well You know, I got to really see things firsthand I got to meet a lot of celebrities a lot of different people and I got to see You know kind of what it takes to actually be successful in the entertainment industry and I knew (laughs) that I did not have what it took to be successful in the music industry in New York Um, it was definitely not the place for me. It was not a place where I could thrive. It was not conducive, uh, to my personality at all whatsoever. And mainly I just couldn't deal with the fakeness. I couldn't deal with the fakeness. I couldn't deal with the opportunistic mentality that people have there. Um, not everybody, you know, there's some cool, genuine people there, but most of those people that are cool and genuine are not from there you know, or, you know, they spent time elsewhere because that in that environment, you become very cutthroatish because time is money is so expensive to live out there. So even like the different women that I would date, it was very, uh, con, you know, uh, transactional, you know, it was like, okay, am I dealing with this person because I like them? Or am I dealing with this person because of what they have and where I could be? And I started to have relationships and create those kind of connections with people based on the bartership mentality based on okay this person works at a radio station or this person works at a tv station or this person is an actress and a model and then i do music so although i'm attracted to this person and i think they're interesting it's also like some sort of business venture we could possibly have together and that mentality started to create these different relationships that really didn't morph into anything because I'm not that kind of person. I'm based on person-to-person communication and connection. So all of that with trying to cultivate musical relationships did not pan out because anybody that's doing music in on the East Coast, they're trying to get to the bag, they're trying to get to the bread. And I wasn't that person. I wasn't just trying to get to the bag and wanna to get to the bread. I couldn't stand, you know, and then, you know, my mentor Charles he 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 threw me the little book, you know, the business, the music business book. And I didn't read it for a while, and then I finally started reading it, you know, because I was a purist. You know, I want to do music, and I just, you know, music is everything. And that's bullshit. You got to live, you got to survive. However, you got to pay your dues, right? So after I read the book, started learning about the music industry and the business side of it, I started to really um, understand that I am not that good at making music. (laughs) You know, like not, not that I'm not good at making music. I'm not making music good enough to make a business around it. So I had to solve that problem first. I feel like a lot of times, and and especially on the East Coast, it's backwards. You know, it's like, okay, I got, I'm making music. Now I got to make money. It's like, no, you got to make good music first. Once you make good music and you know your sound, then it's time to cultivate a brand and a business around it you know you can't it it you, you, it's a process to this shit and once you skip over steps you're just fucking yourself cuz you you're going to have to go back to square one if you haven't you know it's like it's like taking like a series of tests and it's like the first two three series you like skip over shit you bullshit and then you get to like 5 and 6 and 7 and then you do those perfectly that's great. you got 100 percent. So those, but you got like 50 percent on everything else. So eventually you're going to have to go back and take those tests again. And that's pretty much how this shit goes. You can skip over and try to glance over shit. But you got to go through every step of the, the maturation process, which is what I call it. The baptism is what I call it. So after realizing that I just wasn't that good at making music or at least at least where I thought I could be and just knew that there was more to me. Um, started to kind of get, you know, a little antsy and I, I wanted to explore. And, um, I started putting music out on my own, started doing SoundCloud. And one thing I learned about the New York experience or just my time living on the East coast is that, um, only, you know, what you need to do. All you can have all these ears and all these people talking to you in your ear and telling you this and telling you that only, you know, what you need to do. And at that time, Only I knew what I needed to do at that time. And uh, what I needed to do was do me. You know, I needed to do me. I needed to be fearless. I needed to go out there and and make moves and connect with people that connected with me. You know, your vibe attracts your tribe. So you want to get around people that believe in you. You don't want to get around people that believe in what they can do for you because they don't believe in your ability. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know, I look at like the Marvel universe. You got Iron Man and and Captain America, and you know, it's like Iron Man saying, "Well, I can make you this suit, Captain America, and this this is better than the serum shit that's in your blood and shit." And Captain America's like, "Okay," and then he just fucking just do all that, and then what happens in Civil War? Okay, Iron Man take the suit back, you know, and he wins easy. Versus Captain America saying, "Nah, I got my own strength. I got the serum," you know, blase block. Blah. Obviously, I'm a nerd. I'm in that. I'm into that shit um shout out to all my marvel niggas uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway back to it uh, so my my whole thing is believing yourself believe in what you want to do um, and don't let nobody steer you the wrong way um so during that time i started to bump heads with my mentor me and him started to bump heads with just my 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 approach to my music and how i wanted to do things but also at the same time just making dumbass decisions you know i had an opportunity with wordsmith shout out to wordsmith Um, he's a rapper out of Baltimore and, um, you know, got an opportunity and just being young and dumb, you know, I squandered it, you know, I was immature. I didn't really understand the position that I was in and the opportunity I was given. And I just started, you know, just kind of fucking, you know, not, not fucking around, but I was kind of, I wasn't prepared for the money that i was getting the opportunity i wasn't prepared for it right and i didn't have the backing that i thought i had in the situation which led me to make even more mistakes which ultimately led me to lose that opportunity you know i had great opportunity i went on tour i performed at the kennedy center you know was going to go to haiti and the haiti thing you know although i think that if i went to haiti things would have been better but I just I didn't manage the money that I was given. And, you know, and I was in a position where I was afraid to go to Haiti as well. So I basically I was sick, but I kind of like over exaggerated my illness because I was like, well, I mismanaged my money. And I was just, you know, I just wasn't I just wasn't wasn't it wasn't wasn't my time, you know, in that that instance. And so that opportunity left um, with that led to the downfall of my relationship with my mentor. Um, And, you know, me and him started to bump heads even more because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the rent now. You know, I'm struggling paying this, I'm struggling paying that. And, you know, he poured a lot of finances into me as well. So once again, I'll tell you guys, you know, you have to go out on your own shield. You can't live on someone else's dime. You have to go out there and make it happen on your own. That was a mistake that I made. I went out to New York thinking that I was this person was going to do everything for me, and when the chips were down and I fucked up and made a mistake, that this person would be there to boom. But you know, this is—I'm a grown man. I'm 24, 25 years old at this time. This person's not looking at me like I'm just a child, even though, based on my experience, I am a child. This person's like, nah, bro. This is the bill. This is what this is what you owe. Blah, 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 and um. So you know, I did what any young person that has no experience or little to experience uh would do in a in a position that I was in, and i ran i ran i cowered away from dealing with what I needed to deal with in that situation um I tried to confront it, but i ran um and i I tried to ignore the pain of failure that I was feeling within myself. And, you know, it led to the end of that relationship, you know, um, and I ended up transitioning back to Houston, Texas. And, um, you know, which kind of leads us to where we are now, you know, um, here in Houston, Texas, I was able to cultivate some good relationships at Prayer View that allowed me to to basically make that transition Um, And have a place to be um, as I begin to rebuild my life. And I would say during this time, I was able to really go inward and really think about my life and, you know, and the mistakes that I've made in the past. And although you have great, you know, accomplishments and goals and things you want to accomplish and you may have great intentions. But the road to hell is paved with good intentions, you know what I'm saying? And you have to be intentional about your actions, you know, um, because that's what's going to speak volumes and speak to how you treat people in life. So that's what I learned in that time period. So during this time period, 2019 and now, it's been a great rebuilding process. Um, I've learned a lot about myself. I've been able to reconnect with uh some of my good close friends. Uh my boy JQ Music, who I actually met at View. We started doing music. The first time I was actually, you know, in the room with my boy and he, you know, we playing Smash Bros, who I was I was definitely the best at at that time, but he's he's definitely uh achieved a greater status in Smash Bros. but well, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. Mhm. I'm gonna get there. But uh sitting in a room, he put on a beat, and I don't think he even knew that I did music, and I didn't know he did music, and he started rapping and shit, and, you know, we just started freestyling or whatever, and, uh, you know, from that day on, I just knew, I was like, that's, that's definitely a brother of mine. Another person I met there, my boy Derek, uh, met him, you know, he definitely stood in the gap for me a few times, and I remember one time being extremely sick, and, you know, he would come through while I was at PV, and, You know, they say in college or at least, you know, definitely in college is where you meet your lifelong friends. Um, And my boy Lorenzo Jones, we went to Dominican together. We went to, you know, we was in New York together. We, you know, we traveled around and, you know, he definitely was a was a huge inspiration as to why I stepped my game up and also as to why I actually pursued entrepreneurship. And uh, so anyway, transition out here in Houston, rebuilding. It wasn't easy, people. It wasn't easy. In 2019, I was walking everywhere. Um, it was hot. Didn't have a car. I was walking, sweat, sweating and shit. I mean, it was what the fuck am I saying? Sweating and shit. And, and, you know, I was just trying to grind, trying to hustle, uh, spending my whole spending your whole paycheck to this make. OK, sorry. I got I got a rap Tourette's. But I was really grinding out here and I was really struggling. I was working for this nutrition company and I was passing out flyers. Just imagine Houston humidity walking miles upon miles passing out flyers, just drenched in sweat. And I'm passing out flyers. I'm making, I think she was paying me like $7 an hour, $7.25. So imagine this thing about this, guys. You go from getting a $20,000 check, five star or whatever, whatever kind of, we, we, it was a, it was a nice ass hotel room service, blase blah, you coming back, you mean celebrities, you at the mall swiping the car, you buying this, buying that, and then you ain't got shit renting out a room, walking in the sweltering Texas heat with no car, with no fucking money, like, this shit was horrible people and it it you know it was bad 2019 hit and um towards the end of the year things got a little bit better i got some good jobs and you know we we, we we were doing a little bit better uh 2020 hit and things were really good getting really good you know got a good job i was working i think i was working at t-mobile at that time shout out to t-mobile uh you know working at T shout out to andrew appreciate you hiring me you know what I'm saying appreciate that and started working at T-Mobile and you know that was cool and then I got my car boom uh car was great shout out to my my fam and stuff you know for help making that possible and got my whip I'm doing good you know then Kobe dies then COVID hits then George Floyd and everybody you know we all were in that shit we all knew how that went but i know for myself during that time i definitely took it in stride you know in 2019 we ended it off on a high note we had our vve vibe night one of our first vve vibe nights and kobe came out my girl deja davis performed uh jq uh, myself um and kevin we had a few other people that rocked with us and we did our thing we shut it down then, uh, then we had another showcase in February. And, you know, obviously COVID hit and everything like that. And I used that time to shoot videos, to start building my little video series. Uh, we shot uh, Lady D Enterprise, who actually shot, um, well, she wrote the script for uh, So Dangerous, Keep It 100, and Different, and had a great experience, uh, Lorenzo and um, Lexi who were in those videos and we just had fun. We shot those videos and I used that time in stride to build and eventually led to, you know, 20. the end of 2020, started working at AT&T where I met my boy Brian, who's at Boomin' Bro, you know, got his Boomin' Bros. Uh, editing stuff, we getting ready to shoot some videos. Um, started working with JT, also known as Lame Zave, my boy Taj on the Keys. And it's just so much that I couldn't really get into this story, but I wanted to just give y'all a background. And if y'all do listen to it, y'all know my whole life story and, you know, we'll keep it here. And uh, obviously there's a lot of other shit that happened in my life story that I'm not going to even put in here. But, you know, I just wanted to give y'all an introduction, but met so many people. We worked, we put together great projects. We got Task 249. We got still working with Colby, who now goes by Eno. I know he's still doing his thing out there. Uh, we got my boy Eric, who's a you know editor, great editor, who working with. We got Rhino out in Italy. Uh, we got Adrian, who's been amazing. You know, meeting her at AT&T definitely uh, helped me out tremendously in my life. You know, she gave me some some sound advice, um, and and it really helped propel me to where I am now with my business, well, my business and stuff. And I really appreciate her, and then. Her, 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 son, you know, Donald Bill, DB3, an amazing, amazing young talent who just, just I wish I was like him at his age. I mean, it, by the time you, you, you 30 like me, like you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be top of the game. It's, it, it, you know, you know what I'm saying, boy, Taj in the keys, you know, he's building himself up, and you know, it's just been great working with him and the way we bounce off each other. Uh, my boy jq jq music um amazing talent woody x you know he got the photo shoot tomorrow we getting not getting ready to go out there and, and kick it with him heavenly waters getting ready to drop her project variety uh working with her has been a blessing such a unique voice uh deja davis she's working on some new music hopefully whenever she decides to you know, coming to the studio, we can finish that up. We got Sly Woods, who's working on some stuff. We got Coast, who's out there in Dallas, working on some stuff. Um, you know, shout out to Warner Music. Shout out to Universal. Shout out to the Day Love & Repeat. Shout out to all the opportunities that came my way that has allowed me to be in the position that I am. I am very humbly grateful. And I know, you know, this is a lot for this first podcast, but I just want to give you guys... As much as I can on me, my background and the shit I've been through, and I haven't even got into the deep shit. So you know we'll probably say that for journey part two, where we where we go in and dive into certain experiences. But just want to give y'all an insight on your boy. Uh, we do have some co-hosts. We got Donald Bill DB3, Taj the Keys, and JQ Music, who's going to be joining us on the next podcast. I'm Vince B. I am your host, graciously, humbly, and um, yeah, we are going to keep this thing pushing. This is the first episode of the V-Circle podcast titled The Journey. Take a listen, hear your boy's journey. If y'all have any questions, feel free to leave a comment, leave a like, share an experience. Maybe we've met, maybe we didn't, maybe you want to be on the podcast, definitely hit us up. You can hit us up at vibevisionentertainment.com. You can hit me up directly on my cell at 917-244-9779. Also, you can hit my pop, my Instagram up at popguy 7 um, You can hit me up on Twitter, popguy 7 as well. And uh, yeah, just reach out to me. Let's uh, keep this thing pushing. I appreciate all you guys. Thank y'all for listening. Let's keep it pushing. I'm Vince B. And we out. Boom.
1: I was finished, finished, you thought that I was dead and gone, I'm going to get to the business, I got my blue blazer on, and I don't really vibe with no hater, no, I ain't got no time, I'll be moving on, please don't come around if you're going down, let me show you what this endless is all I about. I my own man, make my own way, uh, push it to the limits of my dying day, I don't comply with programs. You can't control me. I'm gonna be my own man, own man, own man. I'm going be my own man, make my own way. I push it to the limits till my dying day. I don't comply with programs. You can't control me. I'm gonna be my own man, own man, own man. Cause I'm a self made, I'm a self made, I'm a self made, yeah. I'm a self made, I'm a self made, I'm a self made, yeah. I'm a rider, I'm a rider, I'm a rider, yeah A fighter, a fighter, a fighter, again. Yeah. A survivor, 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 again yeah. You are what you think. You think I'm crazy if you think I'm a lose, This is a test, nonetheless, got more to prove. You think I'm down, but I'm only paying dues. I'm on the rise, don't get it confused. I'm gonna be my own man, make my own way. Uh, push it to the limits, am, am I, I dying? Day? Day? I don't comply with programs that can't control me. Uh, I'm gonna be my own man. Oh man, oh man, oh man, make my own way. Push it to the limit till my dying day. I don't apply program, programs, you can't control me. I'm gonna be my own man, oh uh, uh, man, oh man. Cause I'm a self made, I'm a self made, I'm a self made, yeah. I'm a self made, I'm a self made, I'm a self made, yeah. Cause I'm a self-made, I'm a self-made, I'm a self-made, man, yeah I'm a self-made, I'm a self-made, I'm a self-made, man, I'm gonna yeah I'm going my own man, make my own way Push it to the limits, am I dying yeah, day. I don't comply with programs, you can't control me I'm gonna be my own man, own man, own man I'm going my own man, make my own way Push you to the limit till my dying day. I don't comply with programs you can't control me. I'm gonna be my own man, own man, own man.